Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Thomas Frank Carr. T. Frank, it's here. It's game week. We are going to be talking about an actual game today. Isn't that fantastic? I'm I'm super excited and super relieved that there will be new things to say, Jim. We will have new things to say. I won't have to talk about the same thing over and over again. So uh, I think we've done a phenomenal job of bringing nuance and insight in the offseason, but I'm excited to have new opportunities to say, hey, this is what happened in this situation. New film is always a good thing. I thought we could start by uh, talking about, do you think Penn State's defensive tackles are big enough? T. Frank. Yes. <laughs> let's move on. Well, let, Okay, let's move on from that. Let's talk about West Virginia. A week ago, you gave us the scouting report on the defense. Let's go to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about West Virginia offense. For me, T. Frank, it starts with the quarterback position. They have not named their starter yet. And it just strikes me that if you have a new quarterback, opening game against Penn State should be very scary for you. Yeah, so in kind of like Penn State, the two quarterbacks offer something a little bit different. And I, I'm i going to butcher the backup's name because I'm assuming the starter is going to be Garrett Green, who we saw last year. Um, you know, I talked to Curtis Jacobs on the podcast yesterday, and he also, you know, without saying the name, also assumed that that was going to be the starting quarterback based on talking about the quarterback run game and athletes at the position. Nico Marchiol, Marchiol, I should have, I really should have looked at his name in the pronunciation guide before the show. Uh, the backup, more of a pocket passer, a little bit more of a uh, traditional style quarterback. Still, they still used him in the quarterback run game last year, but uh, two different styles of quarterback, um, but really the one that makes this offense go and that will provide the most overall impact is green even though he's i'll say this and i you know this is this will this will set off some conversation i assume he's trace mcsorley-esque in the way he runs dynamic runner does a lot of really good stuff on the ground and is elusive fast explosive not the biggest guy in the world but can really cause havoc with his legs so the assumption is that uh garrett green will be the starter that's the assumption you and I are making. I believe their coach said they've already told the team who the starter will be, even though they're not making it public. Yeah. Let's talk about what is probably the strength of this offense, which is the offensive line, right? They have most of the line is back, is returning, and they have a really good center, correct? So this is the strength of the entire team. That's correct. Uh, Zach Frazier, probably the best overall football player on the team. He and Sean Martin are really good. But more more importantly, this is a really well-coached offensive line. They work well together. I see a lot of good. um, When you're looking at blocking schemes, you got to work together on certain blocks. Not not just double teams, but like in their zone system, you've got to help and pass and, and make sure that you can get that gap you're trying to get in the zone game. And they work together really well. There's a lot of really well-coached, aware football players. And for a, uh, a a zone team, they're they're pretty big. So 
in really basic generalities. If you've got a zone blocking team, you prioritize athleticism, lateral explosion, and the ability to execute those particular plays over raw size and power. But these guys have a little bit of both. You know, they're not all 320 pounds. Probably the Penn State offensive line outweighs them, but they're good athletes and uh, really good football players. And I think um, the the number changes always confuse me, but Wyatt Milliam, I think, went from 64 to 74. So he's back at left tackle. Thomas Rimmick was basically the starter at the end of the season, number 55 at left guard. Frazier is back as the starter, and then Doug Nestor went from right guard to right tackle, and both of their tackles from last year are back at guard competing for that position. So uh, six guys that played last year, all of them returning similar to the Penn State offensive line who, through those injuries, brought back a lot of depth and and, and players we saw last year. So um, it, it is the strength of the team, and it's the place that has the most continuity. By the end of the season, when they were in the back half of their Big 12 schedule and they, you know, whatever they were at that point, they had started to play all of these guys as starters. So they kind of got a end of the season bump in the experience in the run up to 2023. Uh, so a, a very good run game for sure. Let's talk about the running backs then. And they have a very big running back, don't they? Which would make me think good offensive line, big running back they're going to want to pound the ball against Penn State. Similar to Penn State, too, they got a good one-two punch. Um, C.J. Donaldson, you, as you mentioned, 238, 240 pounds, 6'1". One of those guys, really long legs, uh, really tall running back. Even, you know, looks taller than his 6'1". Um, and like I said, it's a zone running system for the most part, although they do put some counter in there as well to kind of mix things up. But really what you're looking for is those one-cut running backs. So... Not the most dynamic guy in the world, not explosive, not super fast, but doesn't have a ton of weaknesses either. I wouldn't call him slow, very fluid football player, and he's really good at picking his spots and, and hitting that outside foot and cutting up field, which is what you're looking for in the zone running game. So he's good. And then uh, Jalen Anderson is a he was a. I think he was a freshman last year or a redshirt freshman. He's wearing number zero this year. Last year, he was 28. If you want to go back and watch some film, explosive, big, fast. Again, like if you're comparing them to Penn State's running backs, not in the same category, not in the same league, but these are really good football players. And I, I think when you combine that with the offensive line and Garrett Green, this is a very dangerous running game that can cause a lot of teams problems. So we, we talk about getting to Michigan and are they going to be able to stop Michigan's run game? Like they've got to get through West Virginia, Illinois and Iowa first. And, and right out of the gate, they have a strong test from a very good, well-coached running game. So you're not gonna have to wait very long to find out at the Penn state defensive line. And those defensive tackles are in fact up to the task. So um, obviously Michigan is another level, but this is, a very good offensive line. And I should say, like, I've I've studied them exclusively as run blockers. I have not really dug into just yet their pass protection skills. And typically that's where teams offensive lines fall apart is the tackles. If you know you have to make a choice if you're West Virginia that your tackles are are good run blockers, maybe they struggle in pass protection. And you know, are you a complete offensive line? But in terms of their their ability to play off each other in the run game and this particular part of the offense, very good front five. Uh, and then you throw in the tight ends who who are good run blockers as well. Uh, Traylon Davis is one of those dudes that um, 
one of the most dangerous things in football is a, is a player that will throw his his body into any situation at full speed. And Davis, he does that at 250 some pounds. So they've got a they focus on that. Their their offense is built off of that. And I think that they can um, they can challenge Penn State in this game for sure. As much as they may want to run the ball on every play. Occasionally, I guess they're going to have to throw the ball. Tell me about yeah. the wide receivers and are the tight ends capable of catching the ball too? Um, so from what I have heard, the tight ends have gotten better as as receivers. I wouldn't call them dynamic. Good mobile run blockers, but if you're talking about explosive pass play, pass play threats, I, I wouldn't say so. And this is the tough part because they lost all their receivers last year. So literally all of these guys are new. We talked about all the transfers on the defensive side of the football. They've got a, a Kent State transfer, an NC State transfer, a true freshman. Uh, one guy who had three catches for 45 yards against Texas Tech last year. So woohoo, you can go back and watch that one. Um, and then a couple of other guys from Marshall and, and other places. So they've got a ton of transfers. There's so much turnover at that position that, I, you know, it, <laughs> the passing game is from a systematic standpoint is going to be the same, but the players and how they execute, I, I think are going to uh, be entirely different than last year. But the main thing I would focus on is Devin Carter, NC state transfer, who uh, interestingly as Penn state fans, remember committed to Penn state out of nowhere after the Rose bowl and then decommitted and then committed to West Virginia. So like an interesting subplot throughout this first game of the season. That's that is interesting. And we, we hear more and more of that type of thing. All right, so we took a look at the individual positions. Let's talk about the overall scheme. Based mm -hmm. on what you told me, experienced offensive line, inexperienced quarterback, tight end who could block, a good one-two at running back, one of them being almost 240 pounds. Sounds like strategy for this team is, you know, pound the ball, try to shorten the game. Is that the strategy? I don't know that that's fair because the the first off, I, I, this is one of those offenses that's I, I don't want to call it paint by numbers, but it is very system rigid, maybe. Um, so they run eleven personnel. They want to they want to spread the field and play three receivers. Uh, so again, that's why Rodney Gallagher, the freshman, might have a, a role in this game. The offensive passing game is vertical based. So if they if they can get an attack downfield, they will like they will attack with an explosive play if you're too dedicated to their run game and their screen game. So it's a very rigid system in terms of if you look at the overall scope of what they call vertical routes and screens, vertical routes and screens. This is an offense that I, I, I frustrates me to no end because it is so simple in, in some ways where you know you're attacking vertically uh, you got these screens you got these screens you got these screens you got the run game and then you attack vertically there's there's not a whole lot of um they called Mike Yersich's offense multiple because they do more than one or two things and I, I'm, I'm trying to dance around like this is my personal feelings about this type of system and its effectiveness, because it can be effective. It's the same system that Clemson runs, essentially, or they have under Dabo Sweeney historically. So you can get to a national championship with the system. It relies on athletes playing fast. And if you don't have the, the high-end talent in it, that can cause you some problems because it's then easy to defend. You take away the screen game, you take away the running game, and then they're trying to flail deep and, and throw these, these deep passes or these, you know, deep and then stop and come back to the ball. 
Um, so I think there is an element of if you give it to them, they will run downfield, especially they love the deep crosser from the slot. So you, you run guys vertical, you clear out deep zones, and then you bring somebody across underneath to, to hit those voids in the zone. I'm a huge fan of that particular style of offense. I, I think that's effective against college players. But at the same time, it is a large section of what they run. Now, they do have, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying this, they do have other parts and facets of their passing game. They will run some, you know, uh, intermediate routes, and they'll run some other route combinations. But the majority of their offensive game plan is vertical-based with screens to kind of stretch you deep and short. And if you can cover that, then I think you're going to be okay. Very good, T. Frank. There you have it. That's the West Virginia offense. When we come back, we're going to look at this game from the Penn State perspective. What is the strategy going to be? What are we going to look for? And we're going to get T. Frank's prediction. Stay tuned for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He is T. Frank Carr. I am Jim Galante. And we're talking about actual football. We're talking about Penn State, West Virginia coming up Saturday night. Yes. T. Frank, you're all excited. Yeah. I love it. We're talking actual football. First quarter, we talked about uh, West Virginia's offense. If you want to hear about West Virginia's defense, go back into the archives. Look, we talked about it last week. Uh, T. Frank gave us that scouting report. Now, T. Frank, let's talk about the actual game itself. Let's look at this from Penn State's perspective. Here are the things that we know going into it. New starting quarterback with Drew Aller. Those young freshman running backs, they're now veterans, and we know what to expect from them. Offensive line, we think is deeper, better, more experienced. couple question marks, a wide receiver. Defense, no matter how you cut it, it's a really good defense. 
So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. I'm naming you offensive coordinator. You have just replaced mm-hmm. Mike Yursich. Every are, time. <laughs> so much pressure every time you say that. <laughs> oh, come on. You are T, Frank. This is in your wheelhouse. So l- yeah. let's take a look at this, T, Frank. With the different variables you have coming into this game, knowing you're up against that West Virginia defense, if you're Mike Yursich, what are you thinking going into this game? What do you want to accomplish? Um, I want to score a lot of points very quickly. So I want to put West Virginia in a position where they have to chase. And that's good. For, that's good for any game. But certain teams can and certain teams can't uh, in terms of kind of dig themselves out of that hole. I want to avoid big mistakes, but I also want to be aggressive early in the game. Um, some of our people over the Blue White Illustrated message board were talking about this and, and talking about scoring early. I think in this particular situation against this defense, you can find those explosive plays um, if you have the right matchup and the right leverage. You have to create situations where that happens, though. And and I, I think that you're going to get a couple shots early in the game um, to try and make that happen. But from from a, I guess, personnel standpoint, let's start with how are we attacking this particular team? I would go 12 personnel. I would bring some big bodies on the field and see how that offensive line and those tight ends have developed as run blockers this offseason. Because if there was a if there was a package that that the West Virginia struggled with last year, and we're we're basing this off of last year because that's what we have to go on. Teams in game one can do whatever they want and they can throw wrinkles at you you weren't expecting. But I would go 12 personnel. I would attack those safeties in the middle of the field with Theo Johnson and with Tyler Warren. And that gives you the flexibility to run the football and use RPOs, play action, and try to attack the seam. And you can also then kind of flex in and out of different personnel packages or, or different formations, I should say. You can go, you can go uh, four, uh, four wide. You can, you can go four wide. You can do a three-by-one set. You can do um, you know, both tight ends on the line of scrimmage. You can do a balanced set. You can put them in the backfield. Their flexibility provides you so much room to attack this team that I think the tight ends have to be a big part of this game, and that allows the running backs to be a part of the game as well. But for me, I'm trying to attack down the middle of the football field. Mentioned those safeties and attacking with leverage. I think Theo Johnson should be a big part of the passing game. And that's not to diminish Tyler Warren, by the way, or or even if you go down to Khalil Dinkins, who's an excellent receiver. Um, all those guys can have a factor in the middle of the field in the passing game uh, against this this too high defense and, and trying to uh, get them to be wrong. Because this is, this, and I'll, I'll end with this. In a game like this where Penn State's got two tight ends on the field and they've got the reputation coming in with Catron Allen and Nick Singleton, these safeties are lined up 8 to 10 yards off the ball. They're playing at depth and trying to play the run game from there. The point of this defense is to swarm to the football, not necessarily throw bodies into the box immediately. So they've got to have a quick trigger to get downhill and snuff out Penn State's running game before those players get into the second level. If you can get those guys flat-footed and coming downhill, your passing attack is going to have an explosive opportunity. I don't think you have to establish the run. And for the people listening to the radio broadcast, I used air quotes for establish the run in terms of you don't have to run the ball 15 times and then play action. But you do have to establish the threat of the run, which is why the 12 personnel packages, I think, are so important. So that's how I would attack. I would use big. And then from there, once you got them reeling, you can expand to a three receiver set. You can bring in your third receiver and you can start doing stuff in space. Just to make sure everybody understands, when you use uh, expressions like a, 
a 12 formation or 11. The yep. first number is the number of running backs. The second number is the number of tight ends. And from that, Correct. what's left over, that's the number of wide receivers. So when you say 12 personnel, that's one running back and two tight ends. Staying on the offensive side uh, for a moment, you have a, a brand new quarterback coming in. Yes, I know he uh, drew out got some experience last year. But if you're Mike Yursich, are you doing anything special because this is the first game? I know you have this. It's a night game. This crowd is going to be phenomenal. If you're Drew Aller, you got to be really hyped up. How do you coach that? Are there any? Is there anything special you will do because of that? I don't think so. I think you let him go out and play. Um, and hopefully Drew Aller's DNA, he seems, as James Franklin mentioned, a very poised player a guy that seems to be able to control himself in the moment. So you won't have any of those. I was too hyped and I threw the ball into the second row of uh, the, the Northwest end zone. Like you're going to get a guy that's going to come out and is going to be able to handle his adrenaline in the moment. So from the perspective of this game, not necessarily it's his first game, but this particular opponent, they're going to do things from a coverage perspective that is going to be something different than Penn State is going to see probably at any point in the season other than maybe Ohio state with Jim Knowles who came from the big 12 and has a true three safety system. Uh, this is something where I think drew Aller, you've got, there, there's two ways I look at this. They're not going to get a lot of pressure on Penn state unless something is terribly wrong. In my opinion, they don't, they're not interested in getting after the quarterback in the way that Penn state is. Uh, they play coverage. Drew Aller was very good when he wasn't blitzed last year. He was very good at finding and reading the defense, but they're going to have eight, in coverage at certain points. So it's going to be a bunch of rotations and a bunch of, uh, you know, formations and coverage agnostic safeties that he's not going to be able to totally discern right away. So that's again, why I'm, I'm condensing the formation and maybe I lean on the run game a little bit until you can let him see what's out there. The other thing is you can use RPOs and play action and try to open up the windows, make those windows as big as possible for him to throw the football into. But I also think that's just a way they want to play. I think that's something they want to do this year anyway, is use those things to create big windows for the receivers to break a tackle and make a big play. So I don't think you're doing anything different because it's his first game. I think you're doing specific things because of the opponent uh, that could cause him some, some trouble from a uh, post snap reading perspective. Let's go to the other side of the ball. You did your job as offensive coordinator in place of Mike Yursich. Now I'm replacing Manny Diaz with you. A lot of responsibility on you today, T. Frank. So I, I don't know if I have the cojones to replace Manny Diaz in the way he calls the defense because that man is bold. He, like I said, he will throw the the uh, the Gatorade uh, bottles at the quarterback if he thinks he can get pressure doing it. So, well, you know, we'll see. Let's talk about, though, specifically against West Virginia. I don't care. I still am lobbying for T. Frank to get it, at least one of these coordinator positions. So now you're you're <laughs> subbing for Manny Diaz. Uh, you We talked earlier about this West Virginia offense, and the strength of it is the offensive line, big running back, a quarterback that's mobile. What are you doing to counter that? So <laughs> as much as I was saying, like, I don't know if I could uh, uh, do Manny Diaz's job. Like I would just have to watch a couple of games and call a game like him because he's very good in these particular situations and um, put the screws to this offense. That's really what I, I, I would do um, because you Neil Brown uh, said it himself in his Monday press conference where he's like, we're going to see a first round cornerback 
once the rest of the year. And like you look at this secondary and they're so good and they're so aggressive and confident in man coverage. If you want to stop that run game, put the pressure on your corners to be great. And and I think that they can do that. You know, we talked about Devin Carter. It's funny. I used to for on three for for a, a little bit when we were getting started, I was helping out with the NC State website. And so I covered Devin Carter for a little bit and he's a talented football player. But he's one of those mercurial receivers where it's like focus and like just the details and things like that, that he needs to do to be that that guy. So, you know, good speed, not elite speed, uh, definitely is a number one receiver type body. And I think he fits well in this offense because at one point he was the deep threat for NC State. He was their explosive play receiver. So I can see him being successful. Can I see him being successful against Kalen King? Not really. Not not in the sense of being able to change what Penn State wants to do. Um, so that means you can play whatever you want. You can play cover three. You can play cover one. You can drop a safety in the box. You can add an extra hat in the run game. And then from from a I guess a tactical perspective up front, they're an interesting team where they do a lot of zone and they're they're trying to attack you laterally and get you running so they can use those cutback lanes with those big backs to then you know crease and get upfield. One of the things I've seen Manny Diaz do a lot, and sometimes it comes back to bite you because you're you're gambling a little bit by you're expecting and uh, by your your film study to get a certain run in a certain position out of a certain formation. So they will zone blitz and drop a defensive end and attack from the backside, hoping to confuse the running uh, the the gap schemes or excuse me the the offensive line who they're supposed to block, changing those assignments after the snap. And then getting everyone to hesitate so you can come in and clean up from the backside. So Curtis Jacobs and, you know, uh, a safety, maybe it's um, uh, KJ Winston coming in and fitting in the run game and chasing down and getting tackles for loss. Doing that stuff is good, but they use the counter game, which is kind of the opposite formation to come and attack if you do that stuff too much. So there's a lot of good fail safes built into this offensive run scheme. It's well thought out with the quarterback option as a part of it. It adds another layer and threat, but Penn state is so fast. They're so fast at every level. You know, the defensive tackles are fast, so they're going to be able to, to keep up and, and do their part in this zone scheme. As long as they can fight through the physicality of the, of the middle of that offensive line, which I think they have the ability to do that. That's going to be the biggest thing to me is the matchup on the interior, can those guys hold their gaps? Can they get into their gaps against West Virginia? If they can and they battle to those guys to even, I don't think West Virginia has much of a chance because then the rest of the the freaks list players of Abdul Carter and Chop Robinson can just eat and, and get those guys in the backfield, get tackles for loss and put this passing game into a place it doesn't want to be, which is you know third and long. And so I think Penn State can do that. I don't think it's Minnesota 2022 where they were able to completely shut down an offense, but I think they can do that for the most part. And in the end, they will will come out of this and maybe Minnesota has 100 and Minnesota, West Virginia maybe has 150 yards rushing, but they have 250 yards total offense, 300 yards total offense in Penn State. They, they dominate this game in a lot of ways. I'll tell you what, T. Frank, your answer there was so thorough. We ran out of time. Sorry. For you. That's all right. We ran out of time for your prediction so we can make this to tease because we have to do Ask T. Frank in quarter three. Quarter four, I'll ask you for your final prediction. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den. 
which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter three. You know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. I'm Jim. He is the aforementioned T. Frank. He is going to take your questions, give us a fantastic answer to each one of them, and at the end of the segment, he'll pick out the best question, and whoever sent us that question, you win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. That's all the great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs. Speaking of which, there's still time for you to get your ticket if you hurry up. Go to happyvalleyunited.com. The great tailgate prior to the West Virginia game. A lot of special guests are going to be there. Micah, Jahan Dotson, and maybe a surprise appearance by T. Frank Carr. Keep your fingers crossed for that. I know. I don't know that I should be in that group of people. Like, I don't know that my name belongs in that sentence. (laughs) You, You are exactly right. I know that people would like to see Micah Parsons, but they would love to talk football with T. Frank Carr. Okay? So... Keep your fingers crossed, people. I'm not guaranteeing it, but hopefully we get T. Frank there. And you could ask him your question directly. How about that? All right. Let's get to our questions, T. Frank. And by the way, if you want to send T. Frank a question, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button, and away you go. Let's start with Eric in Elizabethtown. Eric says, could you explain the strategy of defensive substitutions and personnel? Are they trying to keep a certain number of starters on the field, match up certain personnel across position groups like specific linebackers with specific defensive ends, for example, or is this strictly up to the position coach? How do they do that, T. Frank? You know, that's that's an excellent question. Um, and that is also like directly a part of the game plan. That's a that's a Manny Diaz knows that answer and that's a state secret. So I can speculate, but I couldn't give you an exact answer of, yes, this is what they're trying to do, and this is exactly their plan of attack each game. I'll say kind of on a, on a broader general sense. My understanding for the longest time, it, 
in the way I always thought about defensive substitutions is I would want to eliminate as many substitutions as possible because I want to have 11 players that can defend any situation so that I'm not caught in a situation where I don't like, like I can't. Um, so some are obvious, you know, so a defensive substitution for a goal line package is different than a defensive substitution for third down. So if you're, you're bringing big bodies on the football field, you're trying to stop the, the run game. Um, in other situations, I do believe it is more based on your opponent. So I studied third down and the prowler package, uh, earlier this off season in terms of who was on the field and what positions were they playing? Where were they lining up? So against a team like Ohio state, they had uh, more corners on the field. So their their dime defender was a corner and not a safety because you don't want to have, as good as he is, you don't want to have Tig Brown against Marvin Harrison Jr. because they motion into a formation and that's how your defense then uh, is, is lined up. So they wanted to have more corners and coverage skills on the field than they wanted to have that size and physicality and instincts of zone coverage on third down. Other games and other situations, they put Tig Brown specifically in kind of a free and roamer situation where he could use his his instincts to try and undercut routes and, and find the football. Other games where they know they're going to be going up against a, a run-heavy team, they might be putting somebody more physical in certain situations. And and really what it comes down to, to me, is that is that 11th defender. And this is going back to the beginning of, of my uh answer in the NFL. You want that guy to be able to defend against every situation. You want to have a guy that can fill in the run game and can also cover like a corner. They're so rare to find that you, you rarely get that. But in college, the more I study college defenses, especially like Manny Diaz and a talented deep team like Penn state, you're actively trying to get players on the field to accentuate their strengths, to get them experience to replace these players in the long term because you don't have contracts to keep a guy around for five years. You can't really count on that. You know these guys are moving on, so you need the next guy prepared. And secondarily, you want to keep everyone involved. You want to keep the locker room happy. So playing guys is better than playing just 11 starters and then having guys get frustrated that they're not on the field. So uh, I, that's how I kind of look at substitutions in, in both the big and then the narrow sense of of, of uh, how they're trying to accomplish what they're accomplishing on the field. And one other thing I'll add to it with this specific defense, T. Frank, is we've had shows where we've tried to we've talked about depth chart and project it. And I say it's really hard or really easy, depending on your perspective with the defense, because it feels like there's about 20 starters and they rotate people. And part of that is just having so much talent and you're able to keep everybody fresh. Let's uh, go next to Brian in Hartwell, Georgia, who says, for the last several years, teams have not respected the ability of Penn State to hit the deep ball consistently, resulting in more defenders near the box. Since Drew Aller has a much stronger arm, should Penn State attempt to air it out early in the season to make defenses adjust, or should they hold back and not show their cards until the big games? No, I think you want to put things on. One of the reasons they're not they're not talking about who the starting quarterback is is you you <laughs> you want to make them prepare for as much as possible. Your opponent has to be prepared for as much as possible. So I, I do I do think there is value if you can in holding some things back again, going back to the Michigan game of they did not do half the things that they were doing on film the entire first part of the season, because they played like UConn and Hawaii, I think is there in the non-conference season. And they played Maryland Rutgers, like all the teams that you could, you could play your base offense and still win that game. 
so there is there's a fine line here, and I don't want to make this an either or thing, but putting as much on tape to make them prepare for, I think that is uh, that's more valuable in terms of you want them to have to defend the entire football field. To your point, Penn State before has struggled to, and I shouldn't even say struggle. Sean Clifford was an average deep ball passer. If you look at statistically compared to the rest of college football, he came out smack dab, slightly below and then slightly above average most of the time. If Drew Aller is an above average passer and you've got this run game, you now have put them in a situation where they're, they are in no man's land. They have to choose what they're going to defend. And so if you can put that on the uh, on film as soon as possible, but not every concept, I think that's the sweet spot of you want to make sure you have a couple uh, aces up your sleeve in that idea of we're going to not run all of our deep plays, but we're going to show we can throw the ball deep. And that's where if your base offense works early in the season, you're set up for success because you haven't had to do all of the things that you wanted to do throughout the year. So it's a great question. Uh, and I and I do think that that's going to be a part of the season as well of how they, they decide to do some of these things. And especially in this beginning of the season where they've got some good tests in the first four games. Let's go to Joseph in Scranton, who says, when we take into account all the information of the Penn State football sites on the Internet, how much advantage do you think not publishing a depth chart really helps the football team in the final analysis? He's referring to the fact that James Franklin doesn't put out the depth chart anymore. Oh, I don't think I don't think West Virginia put one out uh, for this game. They they put one out at Big Twelve Media Day, but I don't think they put one out this week. So this is silly. This is absolutely silly, and it goes back to the non-standard part of college football. Everyone has different rules, and so the Big Ten just announced. I think it was last week. You have to put out an availability. um, notice two hours before kickoff. So is he available or is he not available? I think it's going to force coaches to say available or not available before the warmups happen. But at the same time, I don't think you're going to get anything on Tuesday from James Franklin about who's available and not available. Uh, and it's just, it's just because there is this, this not the opposite of the NFL standard where you don't have depth charts and you don't have mandatory injury reports. So it becomes who's going to follow that model and who's going to follow the college model, which is cloak and dagger subterfuge. We just need to get to a situation where we're providing depth charts and injury reports throughout the week and everyone's doing it. As long as it's an even playing field, that's the important part. But Joseph also makes a good point. When you have people out there, so many people putting out information, I've seen depth chart articles probably about five different places. You know what the depth chart is. We know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is there a question of is Landon Tangwall going to be playing or not? How serious are his, quote, I'm using the air quotes now, bumps and bruises? That's the mystery, and we'll find out, I imagine, two hours before game time. Okay, T. Frank. Well, that's only for Big Ten games, by the way. That's only for conference games. So we won't find out until week three. (laughs) Okay, T. Frank, never mind. Thank you for the clarification. I, I didn't think about that. Let's go to a Doug in Franklintown, North Carolina. He says, I enjoy the show, guys. Is there a current college football player that would all but guarantee Penn State to make the college football playoffs if he were added to the roster? If trades were allowed in college, who would you be willing to give up for that player? 
and still be able to make the playoffs. Could I give you a couple names? <laughs> I, I had a sure. chance. I saw this ahead of time. I'm starting sure. to give you an opportunity to think about it. My first instinct was Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, yeah. Best wide receiver in the country, maybe even the best player in the country. Yes, there's some question at wide receiver for Penn State. Marvin Harrison, boom. You answer that question, everybody goes down one step in the pecking order. All of a sudden, you're deeper, and you have a number one guy. Yeah. I didn't. My other choice would have been a dominant defensive tackle, but I didn't really see. This goes to the point you brought up many times, Steve Frank. There aren't that many dominant yeah. defensive tackles in the country. Yeah. And in looking around, believe it or not, apparently the best defensive tackle in the country is a guy from Illinois, which yeah. stuns me. Uh, Jerzon Newton, I think is his name. Um, yes. Yeah, yes, so those are, those are good options. If you want to go, and this is where I'm going to get maybe a little controversial. So you're saying guarantee. Add one player to guarantee you're going to make the college football playoff. Caleb Williams, you know, as much as Drew Aller has the talent, if you want proven production drake may caleb williams the quarterback is what comes to mind because we talk about all these other supporting factors around the quarterback and you're right marvin harrison jr can elevate the offense and provide that balance but i would I say would. if you want guarantee add in a top five quarterback from the draft this upcoming season i want to get this part of the question in who would you be willing to trade for caleb williams so that's where i wouldn't you know that's the that's the like do you want to guarantee yeah what would you have to trade? A lot. You'd have to trade probably Kalen King and Chop Robinson to get a quarterback. So I would I would not do that. I would bet on the upside of Drew Aller developing. Um, so yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. or uh, I, I think their defensive tackles are going to be okay. So I don't know that I would put a lot in there. I maybe would get one proven run stuffer that was everything that everyone wants out of maybe not a complete guy, but a guy that can do a lot of good things in versatility there. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number three. We'll name our winner at start of quarter four. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. Before we do anything else, T. Frank, we need a winner. I thought it was a good set of questions today. I, I'm always frustrated when I have to disappoint somebody who had a legitimately excellent football question, and we had four legitimately excellent football questions. So we are going to go completely arbitrary. Brian in Georgia lives the farthest away from State College, and I love that we have such a diverse audience that spans. We are a national show, uh, and that's I'm sticking with that. So Brian in Georgia is the winner. T. Frank, what you don't understand is we're actually an international show. We've gotten questions That's great from point. Australia, from Europe, so from the Middle East. Brian's the winner. And I could just see it now. Next week, people are going to be signing their ne- they're from Alaska or something, you know, <laughs> thinking that will help them win, or, or they're from Mongolia. Just, just a quick note. When I see how much it costs to ship a prize internationally, sorry, you give an international country, you're not winning. Okay, you were you are eliminated. <laughs> All right, T. Frank. One more administrative thing before we get back to the show. We started this about a month ago or so. We now have our show on your YouTube channel. Could you tell our mm-hmm. listeners where they could find? Because they'll actually get the video. They actually get to see us, T. Frank. Tell our listeners where they could find that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, put a plug in here for this. Um, I- I'm super excited that you're willing to do this and that we can have this opportunity to bring Blue White Illustrated fans um, more content and and some a variety of different things in the show. So uh, if you Google or if you Google Blue White Illustrated YouTube, you go into YouTube and you just Google Blue White Illustrated, you'll find our channel. Uh, the BWI live show, you can go to that particular playlist. That is our podcast thread, and this comes out every Wednesday, 10 a.m. You can watch it on YouTube so you can see my face as I make weird faces when people ask me questions, <laughs> which sometimes gets me in trouble. <laughs> if your goal is to see T. Frank make weird faces, ask him about defensive tackle position and why we're not bigger there. All right, T. Frank. <laughs> I'll do my best to keep my eyes straight forward and not have them roll into my head. We teased this earlier in the show. You used up too much time in quarter two. We couldn't get your predictions for Penn State, West Virginia. So I'm putting the gun to your head. You got to give me a prediction. You got to give me a bold prediction for this week's game, Penn State, West Virginia. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I'll start with a bold prediction. And as always, my bold predictions are rooted in just what I think, but I'll go to the extreme end of it. Penn State's tight ends will have 175 yards receiving. They'll have uh, maybe, oh, well, just it's bold, two touchdowns, and that's going to be a big driving force in the game. So my game prediction following off of that is Penn State is going to win. They are going to win, let's say, 35-18, something like that. Oh, you know, wow. 35, 20. Well, how about that? 30. Th- that's not covering, is it? No, it is not no. covering. That's interesting. You have West Virginia okay. staying competitive. So this- 35. I'm doing this live on air right now. <laughs> so you're seeing live math and this is scary for me. I feel like I'm on a high the wire. Spread okay. is we 20 need- and a half points. Okay. So 42, 20 then. How about that? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Penn State fans appreciate the correction. All right, let's move on. We talked about the West Virginia game quite a bit. Now got the scouting report. And by the way, your bold prediction, very bold. I really like really? that one. Yeah. I mean, All 175 right. yards from the tight ends. That's a lot, T. Frank. I But I like it. Um, let, let's take a, a bigger the overview on this Penn State season. You and I haven't gotten really the chance to take a look at that. Uh, most of us think this season's going to come down to the two big games, Michigan and Ohio State. Let me ask yeah. you about the rest of the games. Penn State will be favored in the other 10 games. Do you see them getting mm-hmm. tested and by who? Whom? Who? Uh, whom? Which is it? By I never know when to use whom. So I, I, I put it in and then every time the... The uh, editor, the editor assistant, you know, the the AI assistant that corrects my grammar is always like, that's not how you use whom. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to use it. I never know when to use it. Um, I think this is a good test to start specifically in key areas for Penn State. So West Virginia, I think, is going to be a test on the ground that running game. We covered that earlier in the show. So it'll be a good opportunity to see how how well Penn State has uh, advanced in certain areas. At Illinois, I think, is a bigger test than Iowa at home. That team, and this is the big wild card, is I haven't studied them this year. You know, I've been focusing on West Virginia. I will never be as prepared for a team this year as I am for West Virginia because I've had like three weeks to do it. Um, Illinois, what they lost, and can they reload? Because that was a good team last year. That was a really good team from Illinois last year that challenged college football playoff teams. Uh, defensively, they're going to be good. You know, uh, starting up front, they can allocate less resources to the run game and therefore use more in coverage. So that's going to be a test. Uh, Iowa, yeah. So they've got three good tests out of four to start the season. Now, they're varying degrees, and I don't want to sound like Penn State has the opportunity to lose any of these games, like that they're not going to be the favorite. But at the same time, there are at, it's, this is not a cakewalk through the first four games. They've got to play very well. And they got to be tuned up and ready to go, I think, by September 16th at Illinois. That's one that I'm I'm going to probably use the Delaware week to start studying Illinois. Um, and then you look past that, and then really the next thing is Ohio State. So get through the first month of the season and go 1-0, et cetera, et cetera. But Ohio State on the road after the UMass home game, that's going to be you've got to win on the road in Columbus, which is a hard thing to do. But they are set up well for that given they have, um, you know, a non-conference game right before that particular matchup. You make a good point about Illinois, and I think there's also the situation that facing them early on the road, it reminds, not that this Illinois team is similar to the Purdue team from last year, but when you're playing your first Big Ten game, when those teams still feel like there's a chance for them, it's early in the season and they get a big game early at home, the players, the fans, everybody's into it. And, you yeah. know, that that could be a test for you. Uh, let's talk about the, the big games because, again, Penn State is going to be favored in 10 out of 12 games. They'll be the underdog in two games. That's Ohio State and Michigan. And the question I get or the comments I get is how they match up against those two teams. They have Michigan at home, Ohio State on the road. How do you look at those two games? Which which one is a better matchup for Penn State? Well, historically, Ohio State has been the better matchup that they have. They have 
lined up across that team and been able to handle their speed, their athleticism, and their explosiveness. So, but the the Michigan game has been very much dictated about who is at home and who is away. Penn State in 21 lost a really close game that has changed that kind of holding serve of the home team has the advantage. Michigan's obviously very good. J.J. McCarthy, I think, is, is a difference maker for that team in terms of his speed as a quarterback and his ability to throw the football. He is, he is a dangerous player, and he proved that last year. So their, their team speed at receiver and quarterback has really balanced out that offense, which when Jim Harbaugh was the, the play caller and was the, the heart and soul of that, that offense, Penn State had the advantage because they were, they were too predictable. They were doing too many things that were you, everyone in football knows how to stop them. Now they're doing more dynamic things. They are a threat for real, but it's at home. Um, and then as far as the individual matchups, that's something that I'm going to have to watch the film and find out who these teams are this year because Ohio State is a new quarterback. And as always, they're reloading at positions, but it, it doesn't always translate. Like we talked about Tig Brown. You can't just find another ball hawk on your roster. That is a, that's a rare skill. So what is the makeup of their defense um, and, and their secondary? Because last year, their secondary was hit or miss. Like they were not always excellent in coverage so can Penn State with a quarterback a strong-armed quarterback as uh um as Doug asked I'm sorry as Brian asked can they threaten deep and can they hold off JT Tulamoliao and and throw the ball deep there's so many things we have to find out to know how they match up specifically but from kind of a schematic standpoint Ohio State is the team that Penn State matches up with best but they're on the road and that has been a huge factor as well so I, I don't I don't have a good answer for you just yet Come back to me in October. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what we do here, T. Frank. We expect to answer all the answers now. And Yeah. Both we- teams have a new quarterback, and that is kind of an even playing field. And for once, Penn State, from a recruiting standpoint, has a talent in the same cupboard as where Penn State or where Ohio State regularly shops. That's a huge thing. If Drew Aller is able in his second year to play at a high level, Yes, they can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State, and they can have the opportunity to get those explosive plays and win. That This is an opportunity for sure. You know, T. Frank, uh, mentioning the quarterback, just real quick, Ohio State, I still don't believe they've announced their starter, have they? Mm-hmm. And what, what do you think that – is that an indicator that they're both really good or neither one of them is quite as good as Ohio State wants them to be? It's an indicator that the Big Ten does not release depth charts. <laughs> That's what I'll take away from this. I haven't been following it closely enough to really know. I've heard some things about that of maybe it isn't the guy they want, whatever. Kyle McCord was a good, a good prospect. I saw a a little bit of him, um, you know, during his recruiting process, Devin Brown is a, is, I believe was a five star. So they're talented and they're going to have really good football players to throw to. And that makes it a lot easier. So I, I think that the opportunity, again, it's the bites at the apple. They have two great opportunities to have a franchise guy. And we'll we'll find out when they hit the field whether or not those guys are ready and whether or not they are, in fact, the guy and who it is. Okay, T. Frank, it's that time. I'm not going to let you sneak away without making a prediction. Give, yeah. me, give me your one loss record for this team. Did you say one loss? Because that's what I'm going with. Oh. Uh, that was my official prediction for Blue White Illustrated in the season preview magazine. Um, you get it's the It's positive season. You know, it's positivity time. And... Given what we just said about the matchup with Ohio State, having uh, Michigan at home, the if not 
now when crowd, I think they have a reasonable point. You'd love it for Drew Aller to have more experience another year starting. But, you know, Chop Robinson's going to the NFL after this season. You've got Kalen King going to the NFL after this season, and unless something horribly goes wrong, and even then, maybe not. Like, even if injury becomes a part of the conversation, these guys still have the profile to go in the draft. Um, and, of course, of course Olufashinu, like, they have these high-end talents that are at the peak of their power. The quarterback has to catch up. And Drew, Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, both smart football players. And uh, you've got a really good offensive coordinator in Mike Yersich. I think they can make it happen this year. I do believe they have the talent and they have the coaching to get over the hump. And it's just going to be about luck at this point. And you got to hope that luck is on your side. And I think it will. 11-1. and 11-1. and one, You have one loss. You have them splitting Michigan, Ohio State. Which one's the win? Which one's the loss? I don't. Do you have a quarter? I don't have a quarter. You can flip <laughs> it and, and just decide there. <laughs> All right. Very good. I'll tell you what, T. Frank. I'll take 11 and 1. That is it for our show. Have a great time at the game this weekend. And we'll talk about it next week with T. Frank. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.